It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Less than two weeks remain until the Iowa caucuses. Candidates like former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis hoping for strong results in the state to help make their case for the White House against the GOP frontrunner and former president Donald Trump. Meanwhile, the former president is facing legal battles that now include his name being taken off primary ballots in Colorado and Maine. One way Republicans can protect ourselves, and that's why I've led the way in doing it, is by saying that any state that removes Donald Trump from the ballot, none of us should be on the ballot because that then takes states like Colorado out of the GOP primary, which actually stops them from engaging in this kind of election interference. And on the other side of the equation, President Joe Biden is staring down dismal polling numbers going into the 2024 election with the war in Ukraine and Israel still being waged and the economy on the minds of voters. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel. Fox News senior political analyst Juan Williams, director of domestic policy research at AEI, Matthew Cottonetti, and Fox News White House correspondent Peter Ducey. Peter, what about these new poll numbers? This uh, USA Today Suffolk poll suggests not only is the president losing in a head-to-head to Donald Trump, but he's losing support among young voters, black voters, Hispanic voters, more than we've seen in other recent polls. Well, when we hear from these Biden White House officials, they talk about it like it can't possibly be true because they think in only three years, he has done more for African-American voters, Hispanic voters, and young people than any president ever, even across two terms. They specifically look at things like uh, climate change and what they have tried to do with, with their student loan forgiveness. But as we know, the climate still a problem and the student loan forgiveness did not go even close to how they said it was going to. So uh, they they are not ignoring the polls, but they are definitely dismissing them as uh, as things that cannot possibly be. Yeah. Juan, this is one poll, obviously, but it tracks with some recent polls that we've seen. I thought it was staggering that that Trump leads 37 to 33 among voters under 35 a group Biden won overwhelmingly in 2020. But most jarring, I guess, is that he trails the former president among Hispanic voters, 39 to 34. In 2020, Biden won that group 65 to 32. This is with a border situation that is, you know, obviously explosive, but that's a massive shift from one election to the other. Yeah, it is. It's not good numbers for the president. On the other hand, this is not a contrast with Donald Trump, his likely opponent in the November election. So we 
what we're seeing here, I think, especially from the Latino voters, and you know, it's it's just as you said, staggering when you think about the swing states where the Latino vote is going to play a critical role. States like Arizona, uh, Nevada, Florida. Uh, you stop and you think, wow, this could shift the election. But much of it, when you drill down on the numbers, has to do with the economy. And we've seen, uh, you know, everything from holiday spending to consumer sentiment start to lift a little bit. Still isn't great, but it does give the Biden folks, the Biden campaign, some hope that those numbers could shift ultimately. And similarly, with young voters, with black voters, when you look at those numbers again, it's about people sort of saying, you know, I don't feel any great passion for Joe Biden. I don't think he's changed the world. Um, but again, it's not as a matter of a choice between Biden and Trump. In fact, you know, one of the things that stands out to me right, in this polling is that Trump leads by about 39, 37, according to the poll. Well, you stop and think, wait a second. That's maybe Trump's ceiling, 39%. Uh, I don't know that he's going to get much more than that. He's certainly not at 50. Yeah, Matthew, what do you make of this? And, and you know, how big a deal is it with the president at these ratings? What we should point out is his approval overall, overall is roughly around 38, 39%, disapproval at 56. But Harris, her numbers are worse. Right. Well, Brett, we can say that President Biden begins election year 2024 in the weakest state of any incumbent president since the beginning of polling. And no one uh, wants to be in that position, no matter what might happen in the 12 months from now. What we're seeing is a explosion of the Democratic coalition, key groups, African-American voters, Hispanic voters, young voters, historically tied to the Democratic Party, moving away from Biden rapidly. To some extent, this has been going on for a while as education becomes more important. Voters without a college degree, regardless of their race or ethnicity, have been drifting toward Republicans. What we're seeing in this year, though, is that this pace of change is picking up rapidly. At the same time, it sh we should note a lot of these voters are going away from Biden, but they're not necessarily moving toward the Trump Republicans. Uh, the inclusion of a lot of these third party candidates from RFK Jr. to Cornell West is attracting a lot of these disaffected Democrats. And it remains to be seen whether that will continue to be the case in November. Yeah. And of the issues, Peter, that the White House is most concerned about, what do you think right now? I should say the campaign, not the White House, but the White House is the spokesperson. Look, uh, they're going to keep talking about how they think Bidenomics is the answer for everything, because... That's just what they've got. Uh, they think that the numbers are good. They're starting to put people out on the Sunday shows to kind of road test these messages, which they can do now uh, since he doesn't have a serious primary challenge. And so they're kind of starting to road test the head-to-head Biden-Trump economic message. They think the economy, uh, you know, factor in inflation, factor in COVID, all these different things to try to make it a level playing field. They think that the numbers are better for them. But they are starting to take immigration a lot more seriously. We're start, it's something that you really never heard anything from White House officials about, uh, even when things were starting to get really bad at the border. But now, because Republicans are holding up the Ukraine aid and the Israel aid that White House officials know they need to get to reinforce their, their global message, uh, we are hearing 
that they know it's important. They say Republicans kind of held it hostage and but but they are acknowledging that they are in ongoing negotiations, which is something we have not heard since uh, that that first day in office. They talk about all the time when the president put forward a comprehensive immigration plan uh, that went nowhere. Panel, we'll hold it right there. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Well, we've talked about this, how, you know, I thought the last uh, election and the midterms that immigration might play a bigger role, uh, abortion and threat to democracy overtook it really in the minds of voters it seems like immigration is getting to the bubbling point where when you have 300,000 immigrants coming across in December, enough to fill three Rose Bowl stadiums just in December, and you have these other cities, sanctuary cities and states that don't want to be sanctuary anymore, uh, it seems to be getting a different different take. Yeah, I would agree with you. You know, what's interesting to me is when you ask Democrats about this for the longest time. It just has not been a big issue for Democrats. It's been a big issue for Republicans who have hammered that this is a problem and and, and make the argument, I mean, going back before Biden, back to Trump, that the border is not secure. And of course, you're all familiar with the bill, the wall, Mexico will pay for it. And then coming forward, you know, you see that Biden said that he was going to have a new policy. He was going to have new ways. He was going to assign Vice President Harris to deal with this. But now you see record numbers of people crossing that border and the problem really extending into Democratic cities. And here I would point to New York specifically, where Mayor Eric Adams has become more vocal and criticizing the Biden administration for not doing more. I think he's asking for money, but you understand he's vocal. And I think now Democrats are starting to say this is a point of concern, starting to buy into the idea that it is a crisis. Now, the politics of this are a little more complex. Earlier, we talked about the Latino vote uh, moving away from Biden, according to some metrics, at least when it's just an issue of a referendum on Biden's handling of things. But I mean, again, when you throw in Trump, how will it play out? Just the other day, Trump was talking about, you know, immigrants poisoning the blood of the country. I mean, you know, you can imagine the ads that will be played to try to pull those uh, Latino voters back But again, immigration is now a hot ticket where it was not so much a hot ticket, I think, six months ago. Yeah, Matthew, uh, speaking of the politics of the moment, uh, we just announced the town hall with the former president on January 10th in Des Moines. Uh, We expect to have other announcements uh, soon about our trips out there to the land of the caucuses. Uh, January 15th is the first voting and it's interesting, you know, the first negative ad against Nikki Haley from the Trump PAC aired today, calling her uh, high-tax Haley. Uh, so clearly her spike may, even though the former president says it's, it's not a surge and not to worry about it, uh, somebody is. That's right. I think that the Trump campaign feels as though that they've done enough damage to Governor Ron DeSantis, who started 2023 as the main threat to Trump's candidacy and is still a potential threat in Iowa, though he's far, far behind in the polls. Now, Trump campaign seems to be a little bit concerned about Nikki Haley's rise, not only in Iowa, but especially in New Hampshire, where she has a theoretical path to an upset victory. 
But Iowa, I think, will determine the course of this primary uh, campaign, Brett. And if DeSantis or Haley doesn't score a Des Moines miracle and upset Trump, who leads by some 30 points in most averages of Iowa polls, um, I think we're headed toward a Trump-Biden rematch. Peter, uh, it seems like we had a signal from the vice president's office that she was going out on a reproductive uh, right tour of swing states. Uh, obviously, abortion is a place where they feel comfortable as an issue. More of that to come? Definitely more of that to come. And they look at things like these, uh, the recent elections in Virginia where and in Ohio, where voters were motivated by abortion. It's a single issue where even in red parts of uh, purple states, uh, sorry, yeah, even in red parts of purple states uh, or red states, they can get people out uh, motivated by the single issue of ensuring access to abortions. Kamala Harris does not need to go out there right now to to try to convince other Democrats that they are better on that issue than uh, than anybody else in the party. They are they are protesting a general election message. Uh, Donald Trump will take away your right to abortion. Uh, we will not. And so the question, Juan, becomes, can that single issue overcome or overshadow the big issue of immigration, of crime, of how people feel about the economy, even though the numbers seem like they're going better? There's still the, the disconnect between inflation and wages. Um, and concern about foreign policy under the Biden administration. Can't the Trump campaign say, remember when Trump was president, how you felt and how you feel now? Well, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, Donald Trump appointed three of the Supreme Court justices, the six-member conservative majority that uh, ended Roe v. Wade, the constitutional protection for abortion rights. And you can expect that that is going to be a major, major theme not only appealing to women in this country, uh, in red states and blue states, but also to young people, again, about sort of a, you know, an abdication of the notion, you know, generations old now, almost 50 years, that women have a right to have an abortion. So I think it's going to be big. Now you say, will that somehow obscure these other issues? Well, I think that what they're going to say is, you know what? They're running against Donald Trump and they're going to say, what, what was the situation under Trump with regard to taxes and who was getting tax breaks? What is Trump's prescription for helping this economy and then point to lower unemployment, you know, the stock market doing pretty well? Um, and then they're going to, again, ask, uh, what about Ukraine and Russia? Who do you think Trump would back between Ukraine and Russia? Who do you think? Uh, would be at play uh, in the Middle East if Trump was president? Do you think there's more likelihood of World War III? So you can imagine those extreme, dramatic uh, contrasts being pushed by the Biden campaign. And yet, Matthew, we are on upon another deadline, January 19th and then February 2nd, for the funding of the government and passing this supplemental that includes Ukraine aid, aid for Israel, border security, and Taiwan. From everything we see and hear from our people on Capitol Hill, it's the left that has a problem with the border security and uh, changes to uh, process along the border, um, that there are changes being made to try to get a deal on mm -hmm. the border to get the supplemental through. 
it doesn't seem like they're going to make that deadline. And uh, would that fall on the Biden administration? I think it would, uh, Brett, at the final analysis. It's not just the funding. It's the state of the world. And when voters look at the Biden record on foreign policy, I think they'd have every right to be concerned, beginning with the uh, calamitous withdrawal from Afghanistan, continuing to the failure of deterrence uh, that led to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, to the appeasement of Iran and the continuing uh, willful blindness toward Iranian uh, malign behavior in the Middle East in the aftermath of the Hamas attack on Israel and the potential, as we're hearing coming out of China, the potential for an aggressive China to forcibly reunify uh, the mainland with Taiwan sometime in the coming months, uh, if not years. The perception that the world is out of control, uh, I think, is harming Biden's approval rating. And that falls squarely at the uh, on the president's desk. And so even if Congress and machinations are responsible for a failure of funding, a failure of government uh, funding in general in the coming months, I think Biden is going to be the one who has the bill. All right, panel, thank you. Now for a bit of history. January 2nd, 1967, at 10 minutes past midnight, former actor Ronald Reagan was sworn in as the 33rd governor of California. Reagan would serve for two terms in the state with his time as governor shaping many of his future policies as president of the United States. Governor Reagan declined to run for a third term in California, opting instead to challenge President Ford for the Republican nomination in the 1976 election. Reagan would lead a strong campaign against Ford, but ultimately fell short and conceded to Ford at the Republican convention, but would later defeat President Carter in the election of 1980. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Juan, Matthew, and Peter, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.